Welcome to the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I'm your host, Christy Love. I believe in taking massive action to overcome life's biggest challenges because I know the rewards that lie on the other side. This show is a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation to help you level up in your life. Here's to a new you where your dedication, commitment, and staying true to yourself will make your wildest dreams come alive. I'm a transformational trainer, speaker, firm mama, and proud wife to a distinguished Navy SEAL. We believe in the motto, never give up, never quit, while doing it all with love. I'll share real talks with experts and thought leaders who offer proven strategies to turn your barriers into success in this unfiltered, transformational, and thought-provoking podcast. Let's do this. In today's episode, I have a very special guest. She's not only funny and talented, but she's a writer and mindset and transformational coach. She has coached people through the tough times in life from finding self-love and self-worth to gaining confidence, setting and achieving goals, divorce, and breaking unwanted behavior patterns. And the list goes on and on. So if you want to learn more about any of these topics, Sarah is your girl. I know I can't wait to hear all about it. So let's welcome to the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast, Sarah Kubica. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for having me. I was so excited to be here with you. I am so excited you're here as well. I'm so excited for you to share your story with our listeners and just, you know, express, you know, what you've gone through and how you've created the successful life that you have right now, fun and successful life that you have right now. Yeah, fun is so key. I've learned, especially as an adult, right? Like it's so important to have fun. And I'll just, I'll start at the beginning. I love the name of your podcast because it be seen, be loved. And I think um, that kind of sums it all up for me. I had from early childhood, I had a fear of being seen for who I really was, right? Because I was afraid that if I was myself, I wouldn't be loved. Um, So it was a constant struggle, like even from when I was really little, like elementary age between like my own authenticity and people pleasing. So my people pleasing developed really as a way to keep myself safe. It kept me safe from being bullied. I was a little bit overweight as a child and well into adulthood as well. Weight was always something I struggled with. And so I developed this people pleasing as a way to keep me safe. So if I was extra nice or I was helpful or really funny, then nobody would tease me. So I developed kind of this persona to do that. And then, you know, it also ensured that with my family and with my friends that I'd get love in return from them. And I was really conforming to everybody's needs and wants. And I was always focused on how I was adding value for them, even if I was just making them happy in a particular moment. If I abandoned myself and I would say, yes, let's do that, or I'll just kind of ignore this feeling and go along with you to make you happy, that seemed like a win. And so I'd act how my parents wanted me to. I was always the good girl. I followed the rules. If I broke them, even in, you know, like a small way, you know, of course we we have to punish our kids, right? But always being the good girl was such a role that I had to take on in order for, you know, to be validated and approved and, and loved, it felt like, by my mom and dad. 
So I would stuff feelings that weren't really good. Like if I was upset, I would hear like, you're fine, Sarah, you're fine. And, you know, I did that early on in my mother, you know, in my mothering as well. But what that did was really taught me that the feeling I had in that moment was wrong. And so I learned to stuff them for that reason. So continuing to just kind of do this throughout my life. And there came a point, you know, in my adulthood where I didn't even know who Sarah was. What did I like to do? What were my hobbies? Where did I want to go to eat? I couldn't answer any of these questions. And my answer was always, whatever is good with you is good with me. So in my late 30s, you know, when I had, I literally had everything that I had ever wanted in life. I had a marriage. I had two beautiful daughters. They're amazing. They were, you know, young girls at the time. I had a great job, a nice home, but I was feeling so empty. And I was like, oh my God, is this it? Like there isn't any more. And so that feeling made me feel selfish because I'm like, what's wrong with you, Sarah? Why would you want more than that? Like, this is it. You're living the dream. Um, so I had to work through that a little bit. But what I had come to realize, slowly come to realize that I had a life without boundaries for myself. I really had abandoned my feelings so often for so long. And I really, I don't blame anybody for it at all. But as I started to gain awareness into it, it really started to change so much for me. And it set me on a path to total transformation. Sarah, who I am now at 41, is so different than the Sarah at 35 or 37. Now it wasn't in an instant. It took some time. It took practice. It took work. And when my authenticity really started showing and I was listening to myself and trusting my intuition and honoring my own needs and my feelings and my wants, I couldn't turn back. Right. So as, as true Sarah is really coming out, I, I couldn't go back to the way that it was. So it was kind of like full force ahead now, like I am here, hear me roar type of thing. I started taking care of myself so much more, both physically and emotionally. So that led to essentially a 60 pound weight loss. And I've been able to keep that off for the past four years. So that's been a big success for me and really helped to build confidence, build evidence that I can do things that I put my mind to. And then eventually it led to the end of my marriage. Him and I both were not happy. We were starting to just grow apart and wanting different things in life. And so I had to let that relationship go, but do it with love because I knew I still cared, cared about him. I still, you know, to this day, I still love him tremendously, but we're not meant to be husband and wife. We were amazing parents for our kids and our relationship is better now, I think, than it ever has been. And it really benefits the whole family, especially the kids. You know, we talk about personal development, right? And you think that it's always like a path straight up. You know, you're always getting better and better and going up and up. And that's just not necessarily or usually the case. Um, Your path, you're never going to go backwards, but you're going to go up and you're going to go down. You don't lose what you have, um, but you are going to stumble along the way. That's part of being a human being and that's okay. So after my marriage, I get into two incredibly awful relationships. And what those really helped me to do was to fine tune everything that I was building for myself. And while these relationships were basically emotionally abusive, they get me to a point where I just had enough and I gained, so I can look back and I know that I've gained so much insight about myself and what I need and what I want and how to get there. 
it was like at the time the universe like threw these two men at me and said, here, handle this lady. Like I see your growth. We're going to level you up again. And they threw these insane people at me. And, um, it was just a great, it was a great lesson. And that's, that's what I call them. They were both riddled with like lies and manipulations. And I can look back now and I see that I was still self-abandoning, right? In order to receive love from these guys and that being significant to somebody, even though they were kind of garbage people, being significant to them was more important than being significant to myself and honoring myself, right? I had low standards of who I would let into my life, but I held them to high expectations, which led me to just constant disappointment. So I've flipped that now and I've got high standards for the people that I let in. And then I can lower those expectations because I know I let in the right people. So coming out of those again, the foundation that I have now is so much more rock solid than when it was after my marriage. It was still shaky at that point. The end of these relationships really catapulted me into a new place. So I confidently live in my authenticity every day or most days. I know who I am and I'm so proud of that. I know what I want. I go after it. I honor myself. I refuse to live in fear. I've done some pretty scary things in my life. And so overcoming fear is one thing that I'm super passionate about. I'm not afraid to be seen which I think is just a a huge win overall. And I've received so much love because of it. And I'm a much better mom for my kids. There's this Glennon Doyle quote, and I don't know if you're an Untamed fan or a Glennon Doyle fan, but it's something that she told her daughter. And when I read it, it literally blew my head into a hundred pieces. And the, the quote is, it was a conversation that she was having with her daughter. And she said, every time you are given a choice between disappointing somebody else and disappointing yourself. Your duty is to disappoint that somebody else. Your job throughout your entire life is to disappoint as many people as it takes to avoid disappointing yourself. Wow, that's a powerful quote. Extremely powerful quote. Like Just reading it to you now, Christy, I have like total chills, right? So then her daughter says, even you, mom? And Glennon replies back, especially me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, mind blown to be able to give our kids, our daughters, our sons, like permission to disappoint us in order to be authentic is a freaking game changer. So this is something that I, you know, that I take very seriously with my kids and, um, you know, teaching them to be authentic to their, their selves and their feelings and things like that. So it's just so hot. I love everything about it. That quote just drives me insane. I, I, Like I said, I get chills just reading it to you now. I've read it probably 12 million times. So what's happened since then? I've become a life coach. I'm in the process of writing a book. I'm going to be creating some courses for people. And all of this happening, like, despite the dumpster fire that is going on, you know, for the past 12 months of our lives. So that kind of is is my story in a nutshell. I love what I'm doing now, and it gets me so excited. So yeah, that's 41 years of Sarah wrapped into, you know, what was that? A few minutes. 10 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. All of Sarah in 10 minutes. All of Sarah in 10 minutes. That's an absolutely fascinating story. Well, I want to just take it back a little bit and just ask you more about the times where you were getting divorced and you had two small children. What was going through your mind and how did you think, you know, how am I going to take care of these children by myself being a single mom? 
you seem like it's easy to just break away, but there's so many other factors involved in life. So many factors, right? So, so many. many factors. And how did and your, I do. your daughters take the separation? It's interesting you say that because actually you asked that because last night my oldest daughter said to me, she's 11 now. Um, so we've been divorced for three and a half years. She goes, you know, mom, the divorce didn't make me sad at, at all. Like I see you and dad and you're so happy now and having two homes and having parents that get along well, it's not a sad thing. And so that was like so validating for me because you hear the, the narrative all the time from people who are in unhealthy relationships. Right. It's say, I'm staying here for the kids. And I, you know, I would think that in my head and I'm like, but what does that show them? What does that show them that this is how marriage should be? You know, we didn't fight all that often, but we were very much roommates, right? We were just existing and parenting in the same house. And that wasn't enough, right? That's not the life, the marriage, the partnership that I wanted. And I don't think it's what he wanted either. So I kind of flipped that. I'm staying for the kids to I'm leaving for the kids, for myself, for the kids, and for him because we all deserve better. And it wasn't like I was placing the blame on them. I, I wanted to give them more. I want them to see what a loving intimate, supportive, fun marriage can be. And I wasn't doing that. We weren't doing that. So that really helped strip me of guilt. And I was going to show up and take action accordingly after the marriage. So I had to kind of set this in motion in my head of what I wanted this, our life to look like post-divorce. And it was not about picking at each other or constantly struggling, you know, I really pick and choose my battles. And to be honest with you, the battles are very few and far between because we both decided that the kids are going to be the priority. And if we're always making decisions with the kids being the priority, taking our insecurities, our egos, our kind of our own personal desires of what would feel good for us. You know, as a parent, we do sometimes have to self-abandon for the good of our kids, but it has brought us to this this incredible place. And we don't fight over time. We don't fight over money. I wanted to set him up to succeed as well. He's the girl's dad. And I respect that relationship so much. And he, you know, affords me the same. So there were times when he would get very angry with me in the beginning, you know, before it was finalized. And as much as I wanted to like bite back at him, that wasn't going to do anything. It would be, you know, self-serving for my ego in the moment, but I would let that stuff go. And I can't take full credit for it because he has completely been half of that as well. So these are just discussions that we had. And then I would show up in that way and then he would follow suit. So it's been a real 50-50 and, you know, like I said, it, it's not, it wasn't always easy. I'm going to be honest with you, it's easy now. It was creating that new normal that was, you know, just a little bit tricky. And we would, you know, test it out a little bit. But we've always make the decisions from, you know, what's good for the girls. And when we do that, we're often going to land in the same place. Right. Well, it's not like you created a health, a very healthy environment. And, you know, you get so much stigma and negativity around divorce. And sometimes it is best if you're able to make it work. And it sounds like you two made it work and you both have committed to just still being a family, even though, you know, you don't live together. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's more healthy and makes the girls more happy. And if a lot of parents can just do that, can just be adults, can just mm-hmm. be parents and let go of, you know, wanting to get back at each other and all the hatred and mm-hmm. negativity and jealousy and things like that, and just be there for the children and for the future and the legacy of your family and have that in mind, you know, things can get better. And that's the first step, Christy, really is to let it go. And I had written an article about that. Uh, It's an elephant journal. That is the first step to successful co-parenting is letting go of what broke you apart. So once I was able to do that and initiate the divorce, it took him a little time to then let go of the anger surrounding that from, you know, that he had towards me. But once, once you're able to let that go, everything can fall into place. But if you're holding on to that and you still have feelings of revenge anger or resentment that you're holding on to, you've got to work through and release that and ultimately forgive, not necessarily for the other person, but for yourself and for your kids. And once you can do that, things can fall into place. Super, super, super. Well, I like when you talked about being a people pleaser, because I used to be a people pleaser as well. And that's not something people even recognize or even doing. I had no idea, but I, I just knew that throughout life, that I had to start to put myself first and I had to start to create boundaries if I was going to um, work with myself and elevate myself. So it's good that you did that. Mm -hmm. Now, what techniques or tools that you learned to totally transform that mindset from someone who's always thinking about other people and doing and doing and doing for others and wearing yourself out? (laughs) (laughs) And really like neglecting yourself. I think that's a great question because it's not like all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, I'm going to be a people, you know, I'm going to be um, authentic and I'm going to stay true to myself. And it was something that kind of developed over time is I started to realize when I would start to feel resentful and resentment showing up is usually the first sign that I've abandoned myself in order to make somebody happy. Anytime anyone you're feeling resentment towards somebody else, look inside. Mm-hmm. What did you do to cause that? Is it an expectation that, that you had that wasn't met? Did you do something, say something, um, and you were hoping to get back and you didn't? So that that's one of the first, actually identifying resentment is, is a tool that I use all the time, even still to, you know, to do a gut check on if I'm abandoning myself in order to please somebody. And it's really hard to deviate from that behavior pattern when you're so doing it. And so really in anything that we do, it's baby steps. So the first step in doing it was being aware of it. Like, oh my God, this is a thing and I'm doing it and I'm doing it constantly. So awareness and then taking baby steps in those behaviors and thoughts to kind of move away from it. So you don't have to, you know, do it all at one time with everybody in your life because that's big and scary and overwhelming. But identify it in the moment and see if you can't adjust and just take one step, right? Is it stating something that you need or that you want or telling somebody how you feel? The other thing then is to go in and be able to, and this is this is something we can talk about later too, but like you first have to identify what your boundaries are. If you're living a life without boundaries, you have no idea what your boundaries even are. So you go in and you kind of identify them and start setting them. And I do this all, honestly, through writing. I keep a journal and kind of write out different boundaries that I have that make me feel good um, and comfortable. 
And then you, you know, you put them into practice and where, and I, so I thought I had it all figured out, right? I'm like, I identify my boundaries. I set my boundaries. We're good. You know, everybody knows what they are and where I was failing. This is the, the two relationships after my marriage were enforcing the boundaries, right? And when they would break them, I wouldn't enforce it. I would be, you know, I would try to, but I, I wasn't really enforcing it. So that's like the the third and most crucial step in getting rid of that people pleasing behavior is, and in setting boundaries is to enforce them. And that's ultimately saying, no, I'm not okay with this behavior. And I'm willing to let you go in order to show up for myself in order to honor myself. And it's the practice of doing this over and over for days, for weeks, for months, you know, for years that really helps to grow that confidence and really stand strong in who you are and your own authenticity. And it's, it's really the repetition of that behavior that really kind of brings it out. I think the biggest thing for me was the ability to say no. And she could tear me apart just to say no and set that boundary and let it go and let that person go and and leave it alone and turn the other way and spend time with myself. That was the hardest thing in the world to do. And now, you know, I'm thinking, why, why was that so hard? But I was a people pleaser for so many years. So I completely understand where you're coming from. But just to be able to say no and feel okay with it. Because when you initially say that, no, and you know, because you did it, you're like, oh my gosh, I've hurt their feelings and I'm causing all this damage and it, I'm so flexible. So it'd be easy for me to say, yes, I thought that this like people pleasing thing that I had was like a legitimate superpower. And I'm like, look, I can show up and save everyone and fix everyone and be what everybody needs. Like it wasn't obviously a superpower. I was a doormat essentially <laughs> people. So when that, that no starts showing up and you start speaking it into existence and setting that boundary and forcing it like that strong, strong no is an enforcement. It's like, oh, at first. But like you said, now it's like, why was that so hard? Once you, once you get used to doing it, once you practice it and you watch how things shift in your life, you, you, you won't go back to it. You, no, you there's no way. There absolutely is no way. No, I, I would ever go back to that. And it's still so relaxing and so calm that I'm able to work on my own things. Now I'm seeing my own business grow. But I want to know more about your business, Miss Sarah. I want to know what are you doing? How do you help people in your in your company in life coaching? So um, I've been life coaching for the better part of six months now, although what has led me there was a kind of a, a life interested in personal development and, you know, my own personal journey. And I was kind of always giving advice to my friends and things like that. Now, coaching is different than giving advice, but what I do essentially is I, you know, I have clients that I meet with one-on-one and I help them in their transformation, right? And whatever it is that they want for their own life. And whether it be, you know, setting goals and being able to achieve them, overcoming obstacles, we work through any limiting beliefs. And it's funny, limiting beliefs are something that we're just keeping me stuck for a long time. And once you're able to recognize what those limiting beliefs are, where they came from, go back and heal that. It's going through some of that inner child work, right? And we have to go back and heal those parts of your life. 
get rid of those limiting beliefs, those false narratives that we've been telling ourselves for God knows how long that things really start to change. And that's exciting. So I coach my clients from wherever they're at to wherever they want to go and, and help them get there. And it's like the most exciting, purposeful, fulfilling work that I've ever done. And I absolutely love it. It sounds fun. It sounds super, super exciting. What kind of industries do you work with? Are people, is it certain industries or just basic people who, you know, work and have a family or anything specific? A lot of times with coaches, right? We coach what we know. I do. I coach a lot of women who are in their 30s and their 40s and kind of have found themselves in similar situations, just like, you know, what what's more? I want more. And they kind of know what their own more is. It's different than mine, which is totally good. And so it's kind of coaching that, that has turned into kind of my niche is, is women, I would say like 34 to 45. There's also a subset of people that, you know, want to be better men and women at being co-parents. Um, so I coach in that realm as well. And I have a real interest in working with younger women who are in their even late teens, early to mid twenties, who are maybe even getting into motherhood and, and, coaching them to really find and live in their own authenticity, even at an earlier age, right? So, you know, meeting them when they're ready to do that. That's that's another group that I'm hopeful to work with. I can point. see a huge value in, in right? early or yeah, early women. Or, I go back and I was like, what does 18, what would be so beneficial, right? For like 24-year-old Sarah to know, 24-year-old Christy to know. Oh, like, I was, I was uh, a basket case at that age. And it was right? like years of learning and reading and growing and learning about myself and how to be and become. And it was a whirlwind, a whirlwind of confusion. And right. I wish I had a life coach definitely at that age to help me, you know, overcome a lot of different things. Me too. I just didn't know. It's hard to listen to your parents, right? When you're coming out of, you know, that conditioning and, and turning into your own person, it's hard to listen to their current, you know, their advice. Um, it would have been so awesome. And I did have some really great female mentors, but having a life coach at that time would have potentially changed a lot. And I'm thankful for my experiences. I wouldn't go back, but you know, it's like, how can I be of service, you know, to, to this audience would be so fun. That is great. So you also help people to break unwanted behavior pattern and develop Mm -hmm. new habits. Now tell us a little bit about that. So, you know, the first piece that I always do in coaching is, is bring awareness to situations, right? So what are those behavior patterns that are kind of keeping you where you're at? So we kind of dig into what a day looks like, how we respond to different situations, and then we're able to identify an obstacle. Maybe it's a behavior pattern that needs to change in order for you to level up, meet a goal, you know, whatever the case may be. And we talk about building new habits and the way to do that. And I mentioned this a few minutes ago is to, to really start small. And I think when we think about big transformations, we think about big steps and big, you know, power moves, but that becomes very overwhelming and then can be self-sabotaging. So in my coaching, we work on very small steps and celebrating every step along the way, you know, to your ultimate path. And once you're in that new behavior pattern and things start clicking, you can look back and say, oh, you know, I'm always looking for evidence, right? Evidence that this worked, evidence that I can do it, because um, that really helps to 
build both confidence in yourself and motivation to keep going. So I'm always looking, you know, for those, you know, those type of little successes because little pieces add up to the, to the much bigger picture. Right. And so it's so important to reward ourselves for the little steps. Mm-hmm. I think about that this morning, you know, I, on my weight loss journey, it's where I've lost since this morning, 47 pounds. So I see that's amazing. So I was thinking about, okay, when I get to 50, what is my reward going to be? Mm-hmm. So thinking about those things, little, you know, just little things that just pick you up and make you feel good inside and absolutely and keep going on and, and show that, Hey, I did it for the first time in my life. I did absolutely. it. You did do it. And now you, you know, that's, that's just, it, it was part of my weight loss too. Like, Oh, for so long, I thought this was not doable. I couldn't do it. And now I did it. And I don't want to go back, but it's it's that evidence that you're capable. So that becomes a new um, story in our head as opposed to you can't do it. Too big, too much, To you can do it. And here's here are the times in my life. Here's the evidence that that I showed up and I could do it. So right. I think those, those moments are incredible. Awesome, awesome. Well, you said you have... Four tips, four tips to get out of Four tips. I couldn't limit it to just three because I feel strongly about these today. Um, That is fun. Okay. So the first one, and we got into this a little bit, is learning to set boundaries for yourself. If I had to pin, you know, one really important thing that was so crucial in my transformation was learning to, to identify, set, and enforce boundaries. The second one that I have for right now, really important for any person in the world right now, this could serve, is meditation. It really will help to slow our minds down, teach us to observe our thoughts, our feelings, as opposed to letting them take over and then being able to react or respond as opposed to reacting. But meditation has been key game changer for me, just like in the overall picture of life and in the times that we are experiencing now, because what the hell is happening? And now when I meditate, it's like I get to a place and I was like, oh, Sarah, good to see you again. Because I'm taking some time just for myself. Learning to meditate was a little bit tough because my mind just had a lot of thoughts and one thing that I never knew, and I so I think it's so important to share this, is you, meditation is a practice, and you do learn to do it. And part of that is being able to let your mind race. It's going to. Don't try and stop it. When you recognize that you, you're in a different spot and you're thinking about something, it's flexing that muscle and bringing it back to your center. And, and it's doing that repetitively that, that will make you a master meditator. Something else that has helped me tremendously, I would just say in the, you know, with everything in life going on is gratitude right now. Um, and it's not the type of gratitude where it's like, here are the three things I'm happy for today. And I write them in my journal and move on. But I find moments throughout the day and I really kind of immerse myself in it. So for example, last night we're sitting on the couch me and the two girls and my dog, right? And we're all like on on top of each other, basically. And I find so much gratitude in that moment. I'm like, here we are, we are warm, we are safe, we're together, we are healthy, we are watching TV, like so much gratitude for everything that I had in that moment. It is a physical and emotional change almost instantly, but it's really allowing yourself to sink into those moments. So identify them and really sink into them. Then the last one, 
and I think this one's so important, are affirmations. And I know affirmations, anyone listening, like affirmations can be so weird when you start off and you're saying things or writing things like, I am enough, or I am capable, or I am strong. You know, those are good starting points. You can elaborate on them. But I promise you that with the practice of, of self at positive self-affirmations, which really help to remove some of those like false narratives and limiting beliefs, you work to rewire your subconscious and that is another big part of transformation in general. And I know that they're weird, but I promise once you get used to it, like the meditation is that they're an amazing tool to have. Absolutely. I do these every single day, every single day. So setting your boundaries, one meditation, get that mind strengthening and gratitude and living in the moment and understanding when those precious moments are there. And also saying your affirmations. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, I do it three times a day. And one affirmation was I I reached my goal weight. And when I started doing that, and I was doing it for a few months, my life started to go in that direction, healthier and more vibrant and feeling better and releasing the weight that I've held on for many, many years. You're rewriting who you truly are, right? You can recognize, okay, that's who I used to be. And that's cool. Like I'm thankful for it and I'm done with it. And this is where I'm going. Um, And you start to claim it and say, I am, I am healthy and I choose healthy foods for my body. And I take care of my body by working out um, or, you know, whatever the case may be, you can, you can just go on and on with all of that. So it's, it's really, it's claiming it. And look, I mean, everybody, Chrissy's a great example of this. Yes, absolutely. So great, 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 great. Well, tell our listeners, where can we find you? Where can we find Sarah Kubica? Oh, Sarah Kubica is all over the place. So um, my (laughs) website, (laughs) my website is www.sarah, S-A-R-A dash Kubica, K-U-B-I-C-A dot com. I am on Instagram at Sarah dot K-U-B-I-C-A. I have a Facebook page. I think it's Transformation Coach Sarah. I'll have to check into that. And I also have a Facebook group that's called Elevate. And I have a bunch of people there that we have, you know, daily conversations about just elevating ourselves, elevating our life in general. So I'll send you the link to my Facebook, you know, all my social channels, because I love meeting new people. I I love helping other people, obviously, serving other people as well. So the more the merrier. Sounds like a lot of people can use your help. And I'm sure they'll be reaching out to you as well, Sarah. But I just want to thank you so, so very much for being on the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I absolutely loved every second of it. I was so honored to be here with you, Christy, really. And I appreciate it. And I'm inspired by your journey as well. So thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you so much. We'll stay together. Absolutely, we will. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Be Seen, Beloved podcast. For more inspiring conversations, please share with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or feedback, you can reach me directly at beseenbelovedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.